You're listening to the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. Here we go. Hosted by industry expert, trainer, and motivator, Scott Love. Hi, this is Scott Love, and you're listening to episode number 17 of the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by RecruitingBlogs.com. Visit recruiting blogs to read forms that are posted by other recruiters to network and develop relationships with other people that do what you do all day. And thanks to Jason Davis for the sponsorship of this podcast. This podcast is going to be broken down into two parts. I'm going to talk first about seven rules to eliminate the frustration when you deal with candidates. And then secondly, I'm going to play an excerpt from one of the coaching club calls where I talk about how do you deal effectively with job board candidates. It's a whole lot more than just downloading the resume and sending it to a client. There's information you can get off the job boards that you might not have even thought about. You've got to approach them in the right sort of way to maximize the relationship that you build with them. But first, let me share with you seven rules that you need to keep in mind when you deal with candidates. As a coach and consultant to the business, I talk with recruiters every day about what their frustrations are, and most of them have to deal with other people. And I think that if we could get rid of candidates and clients, we'd, we'd have an easy job. I think the frustration stems from not getting people to do what we want them to do. But in fact, that's a core competency that we have to have. There are certain rules that we follow in anything that we do, whether we're playing a game of sports or we're playing a game of cards, we've got to follow the rules. When we build relationships, there are certain rules that we follow. Same thing with dealing with candidates. And here's seven of them for you. Number one, trust but verify. When they tell you something, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. You don't want to doubt what they're telling you, but you also want to keep a cautious eye on what they're telling you. Just like during the Cold War, when the Soviets would tell us that they're not building weapons, nuclear weapons over there, we'd say, okay, we believe you, but we're going to send our inspectors over there. We're going to trust but verify what, what you're telling us. So same thing with candidates. We want to trust but verify what they're telling us. When they tell us what their comp is, we want to verify that. Or if you can't do that, you want to ask them the same question several times in the process and see if that number changes. We don't want to hang on every word as being the gospel truth that we get from candidates. We don't want to rule them out, though. So how do we manage this in our mind? Well, when I first started in the business, there was a recruiter that said, remember this, T-A-L, they all lie. And I thought, you know, I don't know if I want to be in a business where I'm looking at people as lying to me all the time. Not everybody's going to do that. Most people generally are going to honor their commitments that they give to you. Most people are going to be honest most of the time when they talk with you. But we want to check it out. We want to check references. We want to ask that same question the same time. We want to ask that same question several times throughout the process. Tell me about your base, not your bonus, but just your base. Make sure that number doesn't change. We don't want to look at them as lying to us. So think of it as maybe they're bluffing. And I, I like to give everybody the benefit of the doubt until I have a reason not to anymore. And at that point, then I'll deem that person as someone that's not being trustworthy. And I'm not probably not going to believe much of what they tell me. You want to have realistic expectations of what people are sharing with you. You don't want to be a Pollyanna. You don't want to be a naive. I'd say that the, the correct perspective of dealing with other people in our business is to be a realistic optimist. You want to be optimistic, but you want to have a sense of reality to and, and being shrewd in, in how you deal with other people. You don't want to be jaded. You don't want to be a Pollyanna. Probably somewhere in between is the best place to be, but leaning more towards optimism. 
Rule number two, actions always mean more than words. When someone tells me they're interested, I'm going to follow up with an exercise, an exercise such as them getting me a resume or them having a call with me scheduled at another time. Let's say I talk to a candidate, they're interested. I say, let's talk further. We schedule something. And when I do this, I will tell them, just like you, Joe, I work by calendar, so I'm going to go ahead and schedule that for tomorrow at 3 o'clock. I'm going to send you an email with my contact info, and all I ask is that if you can't make it tomorrow at 3, just send me a quick email or give me a quick call and we can reschedule. Are you okay with that? And they'll say yes. And so because it's a principle that people want to honor their verbal commitment that they give to us, I build that in when I talk with them. Always look at the actions. When people tell you they're interested, and if their actions are not congruent with that, if they tell you they're interested two or three times and you don't get the resume, what does that mean? It means that you don't know what's really going on. It doesn't mean they're not interested. It means that you don't have all the information. There's something going on that you don't know about, and you need to find out what that is. Joe, yesterday you told me you'd have your resume to me. Is, is there anything I should know about? Are you not interested? Oh, no, I'm just busy. Okay, well, that's fine. Give them one more shot. If they don't comply, maybe it means that it's not that much of a priority, but maybe there could be some magic that results if there's an interview. So maybe give them another option. Say, I know you're really busy. Maybe it's not realistic for me to expect you to get me a resume. I tell you what, I've got a good summary of your background. Let's spend about 10 more minutes. I think I can draw out some more value about you, draft up a candidate summary and present that to my client because I really think that you and them would fall in love with each other if I can get you over there. Would that work for you? Sure. So it doesn't mean we're going to rule them out. It means that maybe they're just not going to get a resume to us because of other competing time demands that they have. And the interview is not as much of a priority at this point. But if we can get them there, maybe it could be. But as a rule, their actions are going to be the biggest tell. If they don't go on the interview, if they don't want to invest in the process, well, now you know. When you go buy a car, the objective of the sales rep in the lot is to get you to take a test drive because they know that once you start physically participating in that process, you're more committed to it. That's what we want to do with candidates. We want to get them to physically participate in this process by writing a resume, by scheduling another time for us to talk with them, by scheduling a telephone call with our client. And when we see that they're taking action, that means that they're committed. Rule number three, we want to give them little tests, like I mentioned. I like to give them a test of, if they're not going to get me a resume, I'll say, okay, why don't you get me three of your main accomplishments? If I could, if I, if my client was on the fence about bringing you over and there would be three things that you would want them to know about you, what would they be? Can you email that to me? I'm going to give them a test and see if they comply with that. Rule number four, direct them, lead them. When you talk to them, you want to talk to them in a directing sort of way. If they're on the fence, say, can I make a suggestion? Sure. Why don't we do this? Why don't we spend a few minutes getting to know each other? I think there are some things about my client that are compelling enough for us to have a 10-minute conversation. Worst case scenario, you've wasted 10 minutes out of your life. Best case scenario, this could be something that you might get very excited about. I've been doing this long enough to know that you and I don't know what the future holds. You and I live in the world of you never know. And I really think that it might be worth it for us to talk for 10 minutes. Either way, I'm sure that someday in the future, I might be able to help you at some point in your career. You're going to lead them. You're going to make those suggestions where you're a leader. I remember when I first started training in the business, everybody always talked about candidate control, client control. And I remember thinking, you know, this, that, that stuff doesn't work. 
You can't control other people. I was the very first trainer to ever come out and say, the emperor is not wearing any clothes. What we've been taught doesn't work. We have to lead people. We can't push them. We can't manipulate them. We can't control them. We have to lead them. It's a leadership issue. Rule number five, don't get attached to a candidate. If you have a candidate that is not going to offer as much value to your client as another candidate that you have, you need to look at this objectively. You might have someone that, man, you just really like that guy, but there's another candidate over here that doesn't have this charm or this relationship with you, but your client like that likes that person better. It's all about what the client wants, not what we want. And that's really hard. Sometimes there are some serious issues that could be catastrophic if that candidate is hired. And we don't even see that because we really like that person or we're really believing what they're telling us when they're telling us the story of why they got fired or whatever. And we want to believe that. And it jades our perspective. And that's really hard because the people that do this business do it because they really enjoy having those fulfilling relationships with other folks. Rule number six, if you haven't talked to a candidate, like I'd say within a week, and they're at a critical point in the process, such as we're scheduling the next interview, we're scheduling the offer or whatever. Ask them, has anything changed since we spoke last, especially if you know if they're looking at other opportunities? Has anything changed since we talked last, Jeff? What do you mean? Well, I know you said you were talking with that other firm. Have you been able to schedule that second interview? No, I, I haven't gotten in there yet. Have you gotten calls from any other recruiters about other opportunities? Are you looking anywhere else? We always want to know. They don't know to bring that up with us. They don't know to tell us those things. We have to ask. Rule number seven, expectations. How do you manage your emotions when people let you down? You want to have a high expectation but low attachment ratio. You expect everything that you touch to turn to gold. You have to have that expectation. But you can't have the attachment. When things don't work out, you say, it's not going to bother me. I choose not to let external circumstances govern my emotions. I choose to be resilient. I choose to bounce back. I choose to find opportunity in this rejection from this candidate. You ask yourself questions like, how can I use this situation to my advantage? And when we reframe the questions that we have, it helps us not to be attached to the outcome. I always like to give examples from uh, from games because I love playing games, especially poker. I play poker every Monday night in a cash game. It's a mixed game where we play all sorts of variations and I consistently win anywhere from 40 to $80 per hour. Since first of the year, I've only had one night where I've ever lost money and it was about $100. It wasn't a big loss. I typically win anywhere from 200 to $1,200 every Monday night with my buddies. And I've gotten to be really good with that. And I, and I, and I teach them sometimes, I'll, not teach them, but one of my buddies over there, uh, he plays what I call circus poker. He, he just gambles and he doesn't think about what he's doing and he thinks at a very low level. And last night I told him, I said, listen, Travis, you have got to stop focusing on the results. He said, what do you mean? I said, you know, boy, if I called that bet, I'd have won that pot. I said, but it was, a, it was a correct decision for you to fold. The results don't matter. The only thing that matters were the decisions that you make. The same way on our desk, results don't matter. We focus on the input side. We focus on getting people on the phone, getting our required number of new buddies every day, getting our required number of resumes, getting our required number of candidates presented to clients, getting our required number of interviews, and then doing the best that we can to prep and debrief and close those interviews. And we don't really have a lot of control on the output side. The output side, that's where we have to focus on our results because results are the only things that count 
but you need to put your heart and your soul into the input side. The results will take care of themselves. If you focus on the input side, you're going to get the results. I know organizations in the search industry that they don't pay commissions to people. They pay them based on how many people they talk to or how many resumes they get, how many interviews they set up. That's how they compensate their folks because they know it's eventually going to work itself out. If you focus on the input side, those things you have control over, that's what you get excited about. I get more excited about setting up an interview than I do closing a deal because I don't have as much control over the deal closing. Of the end result, I do my preps and debriefs and all that stuff and trial close and test it and do the takeaway and the counteroffer prep, all that stuff at all the required times of the process. But at the end of the day, I have to release the results. I can't get too caught up in the outcome because I have no control over that. I have control over the decisions that I make and what I learn from that process and the way I choose to interpret things, the meaning that I give to those outcomes. If something falls apart, you can get upset or you can choose to be resilient. You can say, how can I use this situation to my advantage? I learned this concept of high expectation and low attachment from a book called The Success Principles written by Jack Canfield. It's a, it's a huge book, probably about 600 pages long. It's an easy read and you're going to get something out of that. It's a book that I highly recommend. part of the call, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about dealing with job board candidates, some of the advantages and disadvantages of dealing with those types of candidates, and if you do, how you can get value out of that. Uh, I remember that there was a search firm, this was maybe about a year ago after the recession, was starting to really, uh, it's funny to say the recession gained momentum, but it was when it started getting bad for people, uh, and it's actually been bad for people, if you want to say recession, for maybe about two years. But, but about a, a year into it, there was a search firm that said, you know, we're having a really tough time getting clients to hire our candidates. And I said, well, tell me about your recruiting process. And they said, well, we belong to about five different job boards, and we download candidate resumes and present them to our clients. And the problem with that is that when you do that as your primary mode of recruiting, you're presenting candidates to people that can get them on their own. As a recruiter, as a third-party recruiter, you have to be able to provide value and do things that your clients can't do on their own. And guess what? They all have access to that same pool of candidates. Any internal recruiter of any organization can join Monster or Dice or Career Builder or, Builder or whatever and download those same candidates. So that's the disadvantage. Not only that, if you present a candidate and that's where you got them, and your client finds out about them, then some clients will say, I'm not going to work with you because I want to pay you a fee for people you're bringing me that I can't get to on my own. Sometimes it's just the perceived value of that. There was one company that said, we want to hire you for this search. This was a few years ago, and they were telling me about an experience that they they gave a search to a recruiter, and the recruiter gave them three candidates in about two or three days, and at the bottom of every resume it had the name of the job board where they just downloaded and printed it off. Now, I'm not saying that job boards are not valuable. You can get value from them. Just remember that the potential of what you're value is can be diluted if that's all you do, if you present candidates to clients that come from the board. So, but, but I'm not saying rule them out. If you subscribe to them, there are ways that you can maximize those to get values just more than candidates, and that's what I'm going to share with you. The advantage is that you're getting access to people that could provide value for your clients, that could be ready to go. Let's just call it low-hanging fruit. 
So you want to be you want to be very careful though when you deal with those sorts of candidates. Uh, another thing related to the expectations of working with those candidates, if you find a candidate off of a job board, and let's say that you get a search for a widget manager, and you do a query in the job boards, and here you go, you find a candidate, got the resume, everything looks great, and you present them to your client, your client's interested. Remember, that candidate's resume is still on the web while they're going through the job hunting process. And every recruiter that subscribes to that, every recruiter is calling that candidate. Even after you place that person, that candidate's resume, even if they take their posting off of the job board, there are all these other aggregating job boards that siphon off of the major ones. And even though they took their resume off of, let's say, Monster or Career Builder, there's probably about, about 20 others where that person's resume is still out there. And so even after they've joined your client's company, they're still going to get calls from other recruiters about other opportunities. So even after you make the placement, the placement is still going to be at risk because that candidate's info is still out there in cyberspace. If you're marketing a candidate, let's say you find a candidate that wants to move and you want to arrange for introductions with client organizations, you want to tell that candidate to take their info off the job boards while you're working with them if it's someone that you're going to have as a priority. But remember, your expectations shouldn't be as high. Even if you have a candidate that goes through the process, remember, if you are going to look at percentages of probabilities, let's say I direct recruited this candidate and I present him to my client and I know that he's not looking anywhere else and nobody in the world knows that he wants to make a move except for me and my client and that candidate's spouse, I would give that, let's say, about an 80% of going all the way through to completion. If it's a candidate that I downloaded off the job boards, I would give that candidate about a 20%. So in terms of probabilities, you're going to get better odds in working with people that nobody else can get to. However, sometimes if you can make a quick placement and you find someone, and if it's justified, and if your client doesn't know that this is the avenue that you found the candidate, then, then go for it. But remember that it could fall apart. And if your client asks, you know, never make it up. Always tell them. But I've never had a client ask me, how do you get candidates? You just want to make sure that there's nothing related to that job board on the information that you present to the client. There's some other ways that you can derive value from the job boards other than just recruiting candidates. Think of it like this. This is a database of people that do what you're looking for and also know people. That, so so here's, here's the tip. When you call up these candidates and you're calling up the candidate for the first time, let's say you downloaded their resume, you've got it right there, and you call them up, don't tell them that you're a recruiter and that you got their information off the web. And I understand that you're looking for new opportunities. Because when you do that, the candidate's going to say something like this. Stand in line, buddy. What you got? I've got 10 other recruiters. No, they'll say it like this. I've got 10 other headhunters that really want me so bad and everybody's courting me, what you got? And you're not going to have the right type of posture with the candidate. However, if you call them up and you do your standard recruit call introduction, my name's Scott Love, we don't know each other, I came across your information and I do recruiting and I wanted to see if you're open to hearing about other opportunities. And you do it like that and they'll say, you know what, it's funny you should call because I am, I am actually am looking to make a move. Oh, really? Well, tell me about that. What's your current satisfaction level from zero to 100%? If I had your ideal situation, what would that look like? Give me a 30-second overview about your background. What have you done so far in your job search? Now you have the kind of posture that you have a lot more credibility. Remember, in, in the game of negotiating, and even sometimes this initial conversation where you're negotiating for posture, 
the negotiating always goes to whoever needs it the least. And if you call them up and say, listen, your background is great. I got it off the web. It fits what my client's looking for. You lose posture. You call them up. I don't know if you're open to hearing about other things, but what are your thoughts about exploring other opportunities? Now, oh, really? Well, I am open. Well, now you, you, you need at least less than they do. So you gain a little bit more influence with them. So when you call them up, don't tell them if, that you got their information off the job board. If they ask, then you can tell them. Or if they ask, say, I do my research, and I, uh, and I basically do my research in about seven different ways, and somehow or another I came across your information. Maybe it was from the web. Uh, maybe it was from one of these other different ways. And if they ask you directly, and I'm not saying make stuff up, I just like to be vague if I want to give an answer like that. But that's not really an important issue. Uh, another tip, when you call them up, and let's say that they don't fit what you're looking for. So let's just say that you're doing a search for a widget manager, and you find widget engineers, and you know that the widget engineer is not qualified to do the search for the widget manager, but the widget engineer knows people that could be widget managers. If I call up that widget engineer, and if I say, my name is Scott Love, I do recruiting, and I wanted to network with you, and ask for your help on a search. Who are some of the widget managers? Well, they're not going to be as inclined in giving me referrals unless I build in a reason for them to. So I recommend doing your standard recruiting call. Let's say you don't even have a widget engineer search, but there's the possibility of you getting one. So you just call them up. My name is Scott Love. I do recruiting. There's a good possibility I could be coming across some attractive opportunities for widget engineers in first quarter of 2011. So I took it upon myself to call you, make an introduction, and see if you're open to hearing about other things. And if they are, then you could have a marketing candidate. If they're not, then go through that standard recruiting model, and at the end, say, I'd like for you, I'm going to email you my contact info. If at any time you want to talk about your career, even if you don't want to make a move and you want to stay there, and let's say you get a raise or a bonus and you want to see how that compares to other people, I want you to call me and I'd be glad to help you out. Even if you don't want to leave your company, I'd be glad to be a resource for you in your career. And you tell them that. And remember, this is a principle of reciprocity. And they're going to say, wow, thank you. And every time I call candidates all day long, they always tell me thank you because I always build in a reason for them to thank me. I'd love to be a resource for you, Jeremy. If you ever want to, make, if you ever want to stay with your company, if you want to stay with your company, and if you get a raise or a bonus and you want to see how that compares to other folks, call me because I keep track of that and I'd be glad to be a resource for you. And they always say, wow, thanks. And I say, my pleasure. Say, maybe you can help me with my search. This is what you're doing with this widget engineer. Maybe you can help me with my search, Joe. What I'm looking for is a widget manager. I've got another search for a widget manager also that's about 10 years of experience. Who do you know that fits that profile? Someone that might not be looking and someone that might even seem happy where they are. I'm just trying to network with as many people as possible. Then they'll tell you, they'll say, well, there are some people. See, they're going to give you the referral because they feel like they owe you. Now, if you haven't uh, listened to this before, I'd recommend that you go to the uh, go to the webinar archive, and you can see that we have uh, changed the format of that. And go to the you can go to the uh, Engaging the Passive Candidate webinar, and that gives you this whole dialogue. It gives you the format. Print out the learning guide that goes with it and look under candidate issues, engaging the passive candidate, and that'll, that'll tell you the model that I recommend you use when you recruit candidates. So I'm, not, I'm doing a direct recruiting call to someone that I know doesn't fit what I'm looking for. 
but I'm going to recruit them anyways because I'm going to, I might even get a good candidate. I can market the heck out of it and make another placement, but I'm going to give them a reason to give me a referral. So you can use your job boards to research people that know those people that you really want to recruit. It's another, and then you'll, get, then you'll get direct referrals to those passive candidates that aren't even looking. Another tip, uh, you can do this, and I think we might have touched on this when somebody else had a question in the coaching club last week. Uh, you know how some candidates will have their reference list on their resume, and let's say that you spend time looking at these candidates that have their information on the job boards, and you read the resumes, and at the, at the end of the resume, you see the reference list. And let's say you see a CEO there or a senior VP, and you want to get business from that person. You want to be careful with this because our intention is to always call candidates to recruit them. So you call up that candidate. I wanted to see if you're open to hearing about other things. Uh, yes, I am. Uh, what have you done for your job search? Uh, and they'll tell you. whether they, If they fit a search, tell them that I do have an assignment where your background fits. If they don't fit a search, say your background doesn't fit what I'm looking for currently, but I'm going to make some notes here in my system about your profile so that if I come across an opportunity, I'll call you and tell you about that. And they'll say, thank you. And you'll say, that's great. By the way, I'm looking on your reference list here. Would it be okay if at some point I did a reference check with any of your references? I know you have it on here, but I wanted to get your permission to do a reference check on any of these people about you. I wanted to make sure you're okay with that. And they'll say, fine. And you've gotten their permission. They are a legitimate candidate. You might not have something for them currently, but you can still do a reference check. So if there's a VP of operations and you say, you know, I'd love to get some business from that person, I'm going to call them up. I'm going to do a reference check on this candidate, and that is your intention. You leave a message, tell them who you are, this is my number, and I wanted to do a reference check with you on John Smith. He said it would be okay if I check references. The, candidate, the reference person calls you back, and you do a standard reference. And then the, the, the client there, the client prospect, I've had this happen, and I know you will too, at the end of that thorough reference, they'll say, wow, that's a really good reference. You know, uh, we might be looking for some people also, some different types of folks. You can pick up business that way. And the way you want to end the call, if they don't go ahead and volunteer it with you, say this, and it's the standard line that I recommend you say when you're talking with a client prospect. You know, Jeremy, I'm coming across some exceptional uh, management talent within the widget industry right now. If there is someone that I come across that I should pick up the phone and call and tell you about right away, what type of person would that be? And they'll say, well, you know what? We might be looking for someone like this. We don't know yet. When will that be? We'll all call you back then. You know, that, that's how you can kind of take that conversation. So basically, you're using this reference as a way to build a relationship with the client prospect. You're also taking a reference on this candidate, and you want to save that information. So if you place that person, you can take that information from your files. You're just doing this in advance, and the, the alternative goal is to develop a relationship with this prospect, someone that you might get as a client. Another tip, when you, let's just say you're looking for a widget manager, and if you have a way to go back in to the job boards, and let's say you're looking for people that had their information on there six months ago, and you're going to download that. Let's say you do a query. This person put their information six months ago. Well, gosh, that person's probably no longer at their company. You're absolutely right. You now have an opening that could be a position that you can fill. 
you can call up that company and ask for so-and-so, oh, he's not here, he's no longer with our firm, well, have you found his replacement yet? No, we haven't. Then you can do some more research, find out who the person is you talk to, and, and call him up. Through my research, I understood that you might have an opening within your engineering department. I thought I'd make an introduction and see if I might be able to solve that problem for you because we specialize in the widget engineering industry within the city. Or you can do this. I did this by accident. I'm calling up. There's John Smith there. I'm sorry he's no longer with our company, but is there somebody else here that can help you? Well, I can use that dialogue with the receptionist as a way to, to, to open up who are some of the other people within that department. So let's say that you recruit a type of person where their name is not on any list, and it's hard to find those folks. Go to your job board, look for people that posted their info, even as far as a year ago, and call them up, ask for them by name at the company. They're going to tell you, I'm sorry he's not here. Is there somebody else here that can help you in that department? Well, I'm not sure who are some of the other people there that I might, I might recognize their name, or I might know some of those folks. They'll voluntarily give that information to you, and it's another way that you can build your list. So that's your tip for the day on how to use the job board to be able to get value from it other than just downloading candidates and making placements for those people. Now, like I said, that was an excerpt of The Coaching Club. If you're interested in The Coaching Club, I do a weekly call every Monday at 1 o'clock Eastern Time where I do 15 minutes of training. I open it up to celebratory moments. We want to hear about the deals that you've closed and learn from those. And then it's time for group coaching. If you've got an issue or a question you want to get resolution on, that's the time that you can ask me, and I'd be glad to help you out. Membership starts at $77 a month. There's over 90 hours of audio downloads, 45 videos, all my past webinars. You get all my webinars for free, plus 20 pages of word-for-word -word scripts and forms, all for $77 a month at an entry-level price. Used to be a one-year membership. Now it's a 90-day subscription. You can go month-to-month -month after that. If you have any questions, email me, scott at scottlove.com. Visit my website. Click on the link that says Coaching Club. Website is greatrecruitertraining.com. Check it out if you want more information. Otherwise, thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great day and get back on the phone. <laughs>